0: Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro, and on tonight's show, I've put together a very, very special experience featuring two of the greatest baseball minds you will find on this planet. I know that's a lot of hyperbole, and you can't blame me for it. Why? Because on this show today, we've got a celebrated blogger, writer, contributor with the Sporting News, MLB. And he runs a site called Blue Jays Hunter, which you should instantly go out and subscribe to. You can find him on Twitter at Blue Jays Hunter. I'm talking about someone who's also a very good friend of the Jays Journal podcast. Ian Hunter leads us off today. And then as if that's not enough, following him is a hugely popular sports broadcaster now based in Vancouver where he hosts the program with Scott Rintoul on Sportsnet 650, the new home of the Canucks, Andrew Walker's on the show. Of course, Andrew was one of my favorite sports personalities here in Toronto on the Fan 590. It's the second week of October. You're probably asking yourself, why are we still talking about baseball? And the answer is because we love baseball, because we love everything that baseball represents, and also because baseball, although it may be finished here in the city of Toronto, is still very much going on and producing some extraordinarily indelible moments. I suppose there's something to be said for watching AL East rivals struggle in the playoffs. There's always a bit of a guilty pleasure there. But certainly around these parts, it's more about a genuine concern for what the future might bring. And this is one of the reasons why I'm glad I've got both Ian and Andrew on the show, because we're going to go into depth and try to understand what this organization is thinking when it comes to how the 2018 Toronto Blue Jays will look. It is my absolute pleasure to lead off this action-packed show for you today with a special guest, a celebrated blogger and writer of all things Toronto Blue Jays with the Sporting News MLB, Ian Hunter. Thank you for joining me on the Jays Journal podcast.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We know that you're a good friend of the show, and one of the reasons that I wanted to speak with you this evening was because of all the individuals I know who are authorities on Jose Bautista, I am very proud to say that you may be the top dog in that regard. You've written some fantastic articles over the last few weeks that people have seen on Twitter and across social media, and I really want to ask you point blank, now that the Blue Jays have had the dust settle on all things Jose, after that Sunday afternoon where he uh, produced some really emotional moments. How are you feeling about what seems to be, as everyone else is saying, the end of an era?
1: Yeah, you know what, I, it was one of those weird things on uh, going into Sunday's game. I mean, it, it just seemed like an ordinary game, and then I felt like it, all of a sudden it hit me that, you know, this is like 99% chance this is going to be Jose Bautista's last Uh, home game as a Blue Jay and you know you get very reflective in moments like that like you look back to all the wonderful moments he's had in the Blue Jays uniform I mean he's been with the organization for 10 seasons like nine years he was with the Blue Jays during those dark days in the in the mid-2000s and all the fantastic memories in the playoffs and I, you know, to be honest, I kind of got a little bit a little sad because he he has been around for so long and he was so instrumental uh, for the Blue Jays in the in the past two years and and even prior to that. But um, on those teams, he was kind of, as the Dow Steve would say, I think he dubbed uh, Bautista the one man gang. You know, he basically drove the bus for the Blue Jays even though the team wasn't all that great, and then. He finally got the supporting cast he needed, with Edwin Encarnacion and then Josh Donaldson, and and finally everything clicked. And now it, it, you're going to see him walk away from the Blue Jays. I mean, I I think he's going to land with another team, but I almost certainly it won't be with the Blue Jays. But it, it was a little sad, but at the same time, it's it, it makes you happy because he has provided Blue Jays fans with with so many incredible memories, so many things they're going to remember forever. I mean, people are, it's going to be 50 years from now and people are still going to talk about the bat flip. So it's, um, it's and players never really get to go out the way they want to. They never really get to go out on top. But I would say, um, aside from winning a World Series on Sunday, I would say that was almost pretty much the perfect send-off for, for Jose in Toronto.
0: It's interesting that you brought up, Dow of Steve, because he was on the show uh, last week where we had a roundtable talking about the way fans would react and perceive what is clearly a a legendary mold player. I don't think there's any arguing that. If you look at his contributions relative to the time that he spent in the city, and as you mentioned, at the time when they were going through a transition from irrelevancy to something that for a couple of years captivated the imagination, there's no question that Jose Bautista is really an integral part of that. How much of the things that were attached to him the controversial things, if you will, the comments to the media, the odour punch, the frustrations at trade deadlines and constantly bickering and complaining if the media would give him a microphone to voice his grievances, how much of that might have hurt the way that he's ultimately perceived, that his legacy is perceived in Toronto?
1: Well, I mean, I think if you ask anybody outside of Toronto or Canada, they will probably remember those things. Uh, more likely than the the bat flip or his fifty four home run season, but to me, I feel like those moments are just kind of tiny footnotes in the legacy of jose bautista i mean it's the to me the punch it didn't really it didn't mean anything because he redeemed himself against the Texas Rangers that season mm-hmm. and the the controversy with the umpires he i mean he always felt like he had unparalleled plate recognition which if you look at his statistics he really did. I mean, he was he's been one of the best on-base machines ever for the Toronto Blue Jays and even just issues with the media. I feel like he's just that's the kind of player that he is. I don't I don't think any of those things will ever taint Bautista's legacy and I don't even think his his subpar performance this year is going to taint his legacy I mean we can fast forward 10 years from now and nobody's going to remember the, the season he had in 2017 everyone's going to remember his 2010 season everyone's going to remember 2011 and everyone's going to remember 2015 for sure
0: as a result of the season that he's had and all the speculation for what will happen during the off season in 2018 I want to ask you Ian and I know that you are an authority on this subject because you've written about the value of certain trades, the timing of trades, of of exploring the free agency market and trying to understand where to spend money, maybe where to save it. Do you foresee, given a season without this kind of horrible Murphy's Law and bad luck, where players can find a way to stay somewhat healthy, do you foresee this team as it's built right now being able to compete in 2018?
1: Well, as it as it's currently constructed, uh, no, I don't think so. I think they've got a lot of work to do. Um, less so on the pitching side. I f- I more or less feel like if they bring back most of the same pitching staff, even with the up in the air status of Aaron Sanchez, I feel like the starting rotation and even the bullpen will will probably be okay. It's it's that starting lineup that. Um, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro really need to rework next year because we've we saw the last two years they were really a one-dimensional offense. Um, I believe they were the uh, ranked among the, the highest teams uh, of run production via the home run. Like the Blue Jays really didn't. They weren't all that great manufacturing runs. They weren't a great base running team, and they weren't a great defensive team this year. So I feel like next year they really need to either acquire or they need to bring up more well-rounded players. Um, the corner outfield spots are two glaring holes to me. Uh, Short stop. I mean, I feel like a healthy Troy Tulowitzki kind of solves a lot of problems there. And, and the same for Devin Travis. But these are two guys who have a lot of question marks attached to them. So, um, you know, acquiring a, another second baseman, maybe somebody like, kind of fantasize like someone like an Ian Kinsler or even in the outfield someone like an Andrew McCutcheon I feel like those two guys could really really boost this team next year and maybe even just calling up a full season of Teoscar Hernandez or somebody like Anthony Alford I feel like the upside on those two players may be even higher than you know bringing back a, a veteran outfielder but uh, in terms of uh, turning this team into a contender, it's, that is where they need to focus is in the lineup and uh, not just run creation but run prevention as well, like getting solidly sound defenders and guys who can run the bases.
0: Will you be surprised if this, if this organization doesn't make a decision soon on the future of Josh Donaldson? Or do you see this being maybe in a more familiar Shapiro mold of simply letting it roll and then finding himself maybe backtracking in much the way they pursued Edwin half-heartedly?
1: Yeah, I have a feeling it's uh, – this. I mean, it really could go down to the wire. Um, there, There were so many questions when – when Josh Donaldson came back from the disabled list um, this year, but I think he answered a lot of those questions. He's still one of the elite players Mm -hmm. in Major League Baseball, but, you know, he's still in his 30s. So it, it doesn't sound like the Blue Jays are going to explore any trade possibilities for next year, which I'm fine with because you almost kind of have to take 2018 as like a last hurrah for this core because after that, there are a lot of questions you have to answer. Josh Donaldson's a free agent. Jay hap Marco Estrada, um, and you also have to re- kind of rebuild the team. So, uh, to me, uh, the more I think about it, I feel like re-signing a guy as a lead player as Josh Donaldson is. You're signing a guy who's probably you're going to need to offer five or six years, you know, at least thirty million per season. Is that really something the Blue Jays want to do when they've got guys like Troy Tulowitzki and Russell Martin uh, inked to $20 million contracts? I, to me, the, the philosophy that Shapiro had in Cleveland, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to carry over. But at the same time, I mean, Josh Donaldson is a generational talent. I mean, when are you ever going to get your hands on a guy like that again? And right. yes, you're going to have to overpay for him, but you're also going to get that tremendous, tremendous production, at least I would say for the next two, three years. So um, that is going to, that's probably the biggest question the Blue Jays need to answer within the next, you know, 12 to 14 months is what do they do with Josh Donaldson? Because uh, whether they re-sign him, whether, or whether they let him walk, I feel like the future of this organization really hinges on what they do with that player.
0: Would you put forward that the reason you would give Josh Donaldson a long-term $30 million contract and rationalize it the same way, you need this kind of veteran presence in production in order to be a competitive baseball team?
1: Right, and I mean, by doing that, you also kind of extend the Blue Jays' window of contention as well. Um, mm-hmm. le- like, I, like I mentioned, at least by another two to three years, by bringing Josh Donaldson back, Whereas if you let him walk as a free agent, I mean, how do you replace a seven or eight win player? Um, it's that's something it's tremendously difficult absolutely. to do. Well, well, at the same time, I mean, you want to maximize your output from your your young pitching staff, like a Sanchez and, and a Stroman and Osuna. So, if you if you weren't to bring back Josh Johnson, you almost you would fear that you may be wasting those years. Yeah, of, uh cost controllable pitching which almost every general manager will tell you in major league baseball is like the most coveted thing right now. So, yes, by bringing back Donaldson, you're going to overpay. Uh, by the end of that contract, the Blue Jays are probably going to regret it, but they uh, if the way that this pitching staff lines up, I almost feel like you kind of have to bring them back to to maximize those years.
0: No question about that, especially when you consider that this is not the kind of market that is going to be a uh, count its, its beans, if you will, a bean-counter mentality, when we know that over 3 million people showed up this year and, and allowed the team to lead the league in attendance. So if there were ever a team that you could argue should overspend, it really is the Blue Jays, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the Blue Jays, or even Toronto in general, it's always... It seemed like a small market team, but really, what it, they're the fourth largest sports market in North America. I mean, they've got, they have the audience to pull from. And if anything, I mean, the Blue Jays are in a unique position because they're, they're, a, they're a team that appeals from coast to coast. They're not just a regional team. So they pull in gigantic TV numbers. They pull in phenomenal attendance numbers. And, I, I, you know, attendance is going to drop off uh, invariably at the beginning of next year due to the results from this year, but they, they're they not a small market team. They don't need to masquerade as a small market team. They, they have the money, they have the budget, they could spend if they wanted to. It's just a matter of spending smartly because then you don't want to get in a situation like the Boston Red Sox where you're overpaying Hanley Ramirez and you're overpaying Pablo Sandoval. And then you have to jettison one of those contracts halfway through, but um, in the case of Josh Donaldson, I mean, I really don't feel like that. What that were to be the case, you you would expect to get at least some production at the end and not have to essentially pay for him to leave.
0: Now it's it's interesting you brought up Bautista's contract, which I I, I tend to agree with you. I, I found it, it an enormous. Uh, Stroke of luck for the organization to be able to have a player on a year-by-year commitment, which we know is all about flexibility. When you talk about cost control in Major League Baseball, that still exists with Jose Bautista. If in the off-season he goes to the to, you know, goes up to dinner with with Mark Shapiro or Ross Atkins and, and tells them, you know, I feel I still have something, I have something left to give. I feel I can still contribute. Can you take me back at 16 million or 14 million? Would you see that ever happening? And, and more importantly, doesn't his legacy ending now symbolize the new regime's desire for a culture change? I talked about that briefly on the Fan 590 on Sunday. I went on the air and told them that this is less of the practicality of keeping Jose Bautista and how valuable he is to you potentially if he has a, a good year, and more about saying it's just time to move on.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel like that ship has sailed. Um, this was basically, you know, Jose Bautista's swan song in the organization saying, okay, we'll give you one last chance. And if for some reason he came out and had a tremendous season, then maybe they explore that mutual option for next year. But it's almost for certain that they won't. And, yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of – it. maybe it is time to turn the page um, – you know, bringing back a 37-year-old outfielder, probably not the best idea. No. Um, maybe maybe if he were to come back in some sort of DH capacity, that would be okay, but you've already got Kendris Morales penciled into that spot, and it's just I, I feel like he's had his time, he had his moment, and it's it's probably time to move on, and given the way that he's performed this season, it just it kind of indicates to me, okay, now now is the time to to bring up one of the kids or invest in a in a younger player because um, you know things are, are are trending downwards for Jose Bautista and if this is what this season looked like, I mean, I would hate to see what a year older Jose Bautista would look like. Like, I mean, you don't want, you don't want the man to limp out of town. I mean, he still <laughs> had he still had an okay year, but I mean, you don't want to see him do what the Yankees did to Arod and Mark Teixeira and just essentially toss him aside.
0: No question and and well put. Although the irony is not lost on me that uh, a 37-year-old right fielder is considered too high a risk but a 38-year-old left winger is uh is ready to be here for the next 3 years. It's uh it's 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 fickle, isn't it? Time and space and age when it comes to professional sports. It's all about your perspective and and how you look at things, I suppose. Um Ian Tell my listening audience what you've been up to lately, about some maybe recent articles that you've written, and where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, sure. So, spe- I mean, speaking of Jose Bautista, I kind of I just wrote something for Sporting News MLB that goes into all the kind of crazy dominoes that needed to line up for Jose Bautista to be- to become a superstar for the Blue Jays. And if you know, I look back at it, and it's just incredible. I think I counted thirteen things that needed to kind of fall into place for him, which is uh, – it, it was just remarkable to go back and see all those things. So you can read that. Um, I'm also working uh, on another piece for Sporting News for – this is probably right up Blue Jays' fans alley, but a uh, rooting guide for other teams who are in the playoffs, um, mm-hmm. kind of I'm ranking the teams, which one would be best to root for if you want to hit your wagon to another team. And um, for my site, BlueJayHunter.com, I'm also kind of working. I know we've been inundated with Jose Bautista farewell pieces, but I've kind of got one more left in the hopper that I'm probably going to post at some point this weekend. So, yeah, that, uh, that's uh, that's that's basically what I've been working on the last week or so.
0: Well, listen, you're 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 a real friend of the show. We always appreciate having you on the Jays Journal podcast. I recommend that everyone go check out at Blue Jay Hunter on twitter and bluejayhunter.com ian hunter his stuff is fantastic he writes for the sporting news mlb and he's someone you should check out thanks for joining us on the show ian great having you as
1: always thanks Ari. it was great chatting with you with me now is a
0: special guest Who's the host of the program on Sportsnet 650, the new home of the Vancouver Canucks, and is one of the most popular sportscasters across multiple cities in Canada? Andrew Walker is on the Jays Journal podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining me today.
2: Uh, anytime, Ari. How are you?
0: Doing well. It's great to hear your voice, and I, I hope things are working out well for you on the West Coast.
2: Yeah, so so far so good. It's uh, you know it's a new venture out here and a new time slot and new demographics of. People and, and sports fans, so it'll take uh, it'll take a little time, um, you know, much like the Leafs rebuild did, or the Canucks rebuild did, or or um, you know maybe the Jays return to prominence. Although I think we all hope that's that's shorter than uh, than a lot of naysayers think. Maybe even next season, but it'll take some time and, and getting used to it. But that's kind of the nature of of the industry. So there was an opportunity out here, and and you never. You never know. Maybe I'll be back in Toronto sooner rather than later.
0: You know, under nothing would surprise me. You are a man of, uh, you're somewhat of an international man of mystery in that regard. And one thing about you that I enjoy in, in in speaking with you regularly is the Blue Jays. Talking about the Blue Jays, and let's talk about the Jays and. And this 2018 year is a transition year. As someone who's followed the team for decades and is very passionate about this team, how are you perceiving what 2018 has to offer in addressing any cynicism or any idealism that comes from Toronto? What are your thoughts about what 2018 represents for the Blue Jays and what you see happening?
2: I'm I'm very optimistic about 2018. Um, I uh I would not be surprised at all if this was a very successful very popular organization in 2018 2017 will go down as not always um characterized as a, as as a disaster but it was very strange a lot of disastrous things happened but when you look back I know it's really convenient for people to say I knew this was going to happen and I knew in April and and everything management did was uh, was a very predictable run of of things to you know to end to end up like they're going to end up you know with the Jays winning whatever it's going to be you know as many as seventy seven games we'll say I don't know um, and I and I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate. Listen, this team there was a lot of times of the season that did not play well. Um, some bad things happened. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion was not here. The Kendris Morales conversation is, is interesting because, as you know, at the end of the season, Kendrys Morales' numbers are going to be exactly what they paid for. So maybe that wasn't overly surprising. But listen, Jose Bautista was not effective. Josh Donaldson, the, the, the moments in time where they played really well, it's because Josh Donaldson was back and healthy and having a month like he did in August. But he missed a huge chunk of games which is vital to their season. You can't blame it on it, but Aaron Sanchez, the reigning ERA champ, did not pitch this year. That is substantial. That is substantial information. Troy Tolowitzky didn't have the year yet. In fact, you go around and I would say probably five or six, maybe seven Blue Jays, if you include a couple of guys in the bullpen, had like really like, hey, we're really happy with his years, and two Blue Jays in Justin Smoke and Marcus Stroman. Had exceptional years, and and uh, and of course throw you know Marco Estrada's struggles in there. Devin Travis, the same old can't stay healthy story with him. And then to top it all off, and and I had Ross Atkins on the program uh, uh, last week, and we had discussed this. Now that the dust is settling, and you realize the second wild card is going to probably have eighty five wins and not ninety wins, it makes it all the more frustrating. But anyways, I mean, listen, Aaron Sanchez is going to be back. Marcus Stroman has arrived. Um, Josh Donaldson is still under contract. You do have some youth that's way closer to the major leagues than you thought. Jay Happ looks good. Marco is being re-signed today as we speak. I, I really think good things have the potential to lie ahead in 2018. Now, will the wildcard race be the same? Um, will the Boston Red Sox be the same? Uh, along with the New York Yankees, I'm not sure. But I think this team will be a good team next year.
0: And I'm curious, as someone who has followed the team pretty much from the start, uh, when he came out of the womb, as I like to say, um, when you look at the promise of future talent, when you look at the marketing of elite prospects, for fans to look forward to the future. What did it mean for you to hear Keith Law come out and basically say the Blue Jays have the best organizational talent available for them to continue rebuilding and becoming a credible team? What does it mean to know that a Vlad Guerrero and a Bo Bichette are waiting in the wings to basically transform 2019 and beyond into something memorable for a generation?
2: It's it's not foolproof, but it means a lot, and and I'll tell you why. It means... Um, it, it instills a great deal of confidence and validation to me in the management group. And I know that from day one, and, and still to this day, the most fascinating day of sports radio I've ever had is the day that Alex Anthopoulos resigned. And, uh, and listen, the Jays were coming off a, a brilliant ALCS appearance against the Royals, yeah. and people were so impassioned that day and so angry and, 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 and they didn't know who to be angry at, and it was, it was, it was a crazy day on the airwaves. Um, and, but, but listen, that was a really controversial time, and, and the fact that people still haven't completely accepted Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, even after they made the ALCS again the next year, despite a bunch of naysayers, um, to me, that, that gives validation to what those guys want to do with this organization, I love Alex Anthopoulos like everybody else does, and I know he went out a martyr. But I wouldn't switch it back if I could, even after 2017. That's what that's what those prospects
0: um, mean to me. Now, when we look to the transition to what we hope will be a bright future, a 2018 where the team can remain both competitive and retool itself successfully for what the 2019. Um, right ascension of talent can offer. How confident are you in this core, if you will, this controllable core up till 2021 of Sanchez, Stroman, Osuna, and hopefully Travis if he can stay healthy.
2: Well, the I, I'm I still like the starting pitching a lot. Um, Aaron Sanchez, you just have to knock on wood that this was just one of those years from hell. Um, I, I, I've always, I won't say I like them better, but I've always been a Stroman believer. Um, I don't always like the, the immaturity, but to me, whatever. You eye roll, you get past it. It's not like he's in mm-hmm. trouble with the law or anything like that. But I've loved the big game mentality. Uh, even when Aaron Sanchez and or David Price were their big name guys, who did the Blue Jays always seem to start in the biggest of the big games? It was Marcus Stroman. So yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of Strowman. I don't I don't worry for a second about Roberto Osuna. <clears throat> I wonder maybe where he his long term fit is on this team, whether maybe it's in the rotation or or at the back end of the bullpen. But his 10 blown saves and some of the struggles he went through, uh, I didn't blink for an eye. Now the rest of the core is not undeniable, but there's some question marks. Josh Donaldson's a superstar, um, and and you know there's going to be the big debate around his extension. Kevin Pillar is type of the core, is part of the core, and that's okay to me as long as we finally completely realize what Kevin Pillar is. He's a 260 hitter. He's probably a 300 to 310 on base guy. He's going to have some great months. He's going to have some months where he can't uh, he can't lay off anything. But he has good speed on the base pass. He plays elite level defense, and he should be hitting at the bottom of your order. In that sense. I'm fine with Kevin Clark being as part of the core. I would love Devin Travis to be there too, um, but we all know that, that those injury troubles plague them. Um, and then it's, I mean, listen, the year of transition, that's where a guy like Russell Martin and Troy Tulowitzki are more, are more question marks, but you just need those guys to get you through a couple of seasons. And I think that, hey, Troy Tulowitzki's is one of those guys. He has to be better because he can't be worse.
0: Speaking with Andrew Walker, host of the program on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver, Andrew, when we look at Jose Bautista, who you can imagine is on everyone's lips these days, as someone who has dealt with callers from Toronto and callers from Calgary and callers from Vancouver. You've spoken with a lot of people across this country. You know how passionate they are about baseball and how they feel about this mercurial player. How do you reconcile how different generations will look at Jose Bautista knowing that this was a a very difficult trying year for him? He underachieved greatly for an $18 million contract. Do you think he'll return? And more importantly, where do you see the future of Jose Bautista etched in the memories of Toronto Blue Jays fans?
2: Um, I think his time with the Blue Jays is is done. Um, you know, I, I think that's quite obvious. I think, you know, where they are with no playoff race, and uh, I, I hope the send-off is uh, more complete than it was last year, because last year, we, I mean, we were involved going to games in an, in an ALCS, and... We we talked about Jose Bautista, especially being down three nothing, but it happened so fast because all of a sudden it was the ninth inning of Game Five against Cleveland, and oh my goodness, like this might be his last at bat. You hadn't accepted it until then, and then he laced a double in that final inning. Uh, but now we all know, and he's getting the send off he deserves, at least in fan conversation, and it will at the ballpark, and and uh, and hopefully they do something like. I don't know, take him out in the ninth inning or something mm-hmm. like that um, in in his final home game. Um, I I think Jose Bautista is a remarkable story. He is the best slugger of a generation. Um, he did it clean. He once he finally what two things impressed me the most about him when he and I, he had a little Roy Halladay in him like this. He waited a long time to get to the postseason, and once he got there. He instantly was born for it, and, yeah. and, I, I, and, and, I, and I think that we all knew he'd be like that, but then to see it in person and some of the home runs, and uh, I mean three in particular, of course the bat flip, but the home runs that were even crazier for me were the ones of James 6 on the road in the ALCS. Um, oh, they yeah. lost that game in whirlwind fashion. And so we don't instantly talk about those home runs anymore. And if they make a statue, it'll be of the bat flip, not of those home runs, but those home runs were incredible. Now, the other thing, I've never seen a player do this, not Mike Trout, not Miguel Cabrera, not Albert Pujols, probably five or six times over the course of his career. He got upset and willed a home run, uh, mostly against the Baltimore Orioles and that was every time I saw that it didn't get old because that's it. That's insane to me the fact that he did that on multiple occasions mm-hmm. and that summed them up, right? That summed them up. No one hit more home runs than, than he has over the last eight nine years in the majors. Um, we're all reveling over John Carlos Stanton's fifty five and counting this year. Jose Bautista hit it at fifty four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in in a, in a season where. Nobody expect him to hit 20. Um, so I, I, I think there's that. I, I think um, having a marvelous eye at the plate and leading the league in walks, um, I, I've always been a big fan of Jose Bautista. And, and this year has been a nightmare year, there's no doubt. But listen, not everybody gets to go out like David Ortiz, right? Most yeah. guys go out like Ken Griffey Jr., and that's how he's going out as well, right? Shane Doan and Phoenix had six goals last year. But people aren't going to remember that. And and I think anyone that, that ever talks about Jose Bautista's career with the caveat of a yeah, but, yeah, but, he argued with umpires, yeah, but, the bat flip was, was, you know, disrespect, then you're
0: just mm-hmm. not paying attention. Agreed, agreed. And I think you summed it up beautifully with a quote that I will use later on Twitter, which is a remarkable story, the best slugger of a generation, and he did it clean. And I think that when we look at the remains of the baseball day, there's no question that what he did for Toronto baseball, was certainly something that very few players could ever hope to do let me ask you about this uh, recent news uh, that's been trending and I know you find this fascinating as a baseball historian and a purist Shohei Otani the Japanese Babe Ruth is there any credence at all to think that uh, do we give any credence to think that the Toronto Blue Jays might try to make a play on a on this incredible athlete who might really change the whole marketed perception of what it means to bring in a player that could generate the kind of excitement that this Japanese Babe Ruth could? I don't
2: know, to be quite honest. Um, The one thing about the Toronto Blue Jays um, is that not that they're poor, because they're not. Um, We all know who, who owns them. We all know the money at their disposal, and uh, yet they get criticized for kind of only being a top 10 type of payroll. Um, the posting fee is going to be outrageous. Um, uh, the salary is going to be very high. And the player is very unproven. Now, here, here's here's the thing. They're doing their due diligence. They're scouting. About half the league is scouting him. But the, Blue Jays <laughs> are, are, the Blue Jays are one of those teams. If he's as good as some people say, then there's no price that's too high, right? That's just that's just the reality right. of it. Especially a guy that could potentially do it from both sides of the plate, but there's always that risk. And I again, I haven't seen him enough. There's always that risk that he's a combination of I don't know Hideki Matsui and and and. Uh, and Dice K. Matsuzaka, like if if yeah. that's the high end, I, like who knows, right? But what if he's Hideki Arabu and Kaz Matsui? Like I don't know. Ouch.
0: <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. So
2: I I I still don't think of the Blue Jays as one of those teams that 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 goes up against the Dodgers and and the Yankees and plexes their muscle. I know Seattle seattle has as a i don't want to call them a smaller market team but we know that they're going to be in the mix for every japanese player they said screw it we're giving 300 million to robinson cano and they got applauded for it but it hasn't worked out like they hoped i mean listen robinson cano has been a been a fine player for them but he's not even halfway through the contract and he's not the robinson cano of old and they still haven't made the postseason i so I, i don't know um I think it's a fascinating topic. I'm interested to see. I hope he's as good as people say because then it's it's how do you deploy this guy? But listen, they're not the Blue Jays won't be the last team he goes to. I'm just not sure he's the first.
0: So looking forward to 2018, Andrew, do you expect for fans who are clamoring for Rogers to make the investment and I can tell you in the past two weeks of round tables here on the Jay's Journal podcast we've had a, a number of media types and luminaries all saying that an investment is warranted. Do you see the front office going out and rather than missing the way they did out on Fowler and Encarnacion maybe making a splash and demonstrating to the fans that they can rebuild and compete simultaneously?
2: I think that that you have your valuation. Right, they wanted Dexter Fowler. They offered him a lot of money. Same with Edwin Encarnacion. But the second you get yourself in trouble, is is overplaying uh, or is overpaying for a guy in a market. I think it's different at the trade deadline. I think it's different at the trade deadline, right? Like um, Alex Anthopoulos realized what they needed to do in 2015, and yeah, it's going to come at a price. But at that point you're a hundred games into the season. You know where you are adding a Troy to for a Hoffman, adding a, um, you know, a a David price for a Norris or a Boyd, You, you accept the consequences of those actions. Um, but overpaying for a guy in free agency, it's, it's, it's tough, right? It's not like this team has sat on their laurels and said, no, no free agents. They weren't like Ted Thompson of the green Bay Packers. Um, but these guys signed for way more than was than was in their uh, internal budget or, or headspace. And it's tough to overly criticize, right? If they're like, hey, we want Dexter Fowler for, for yeah. you know, three three years at 60. And then he signs for five years at 88 or whatever it is. Um, or four years at 88. Like, well, how mad are we allowed to be, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I, I think this management group kicks tires on on everything um little inside story so again i had ross atkins on and i pre-taped him the other day to run <clears throat> so it wasn't uh adjacent to the to the baseball game and right. uh and he was and he was two minutes late and off the air he said sorry um he was like crazy enough i was just working on a on a trade and of course i tried to press him and he laughed and he would <laughs> tell me who it was or why it didn't get done but here it is it's a you know it's a tuesday afternoon and and Ross Atkins is, is you know, working on a trade, and it could be a minor league trade, it could be international bonus slot money. I don't know, but those guys never stop working. And like I said before about how quickly this prospect group has really turned heads, um, I, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of faith in this management group, um, oddly enough.
0: Some great insight from one of my favorite baseball minds, Andrew. Tell my listeners what you've been up to and how they can find you on social media.
2: Well, I'm doing the uh, the show out here from 4 to 7 p.m. on a brand new uh, venture, Sportsnet 650, which is a sister station to um, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. It's exciting in the industry because um, we are in an industry where everything is closing down and cuts are made, and all of a sudden, uh, Sportsnet has expanded out here to serve the Vancouver market. Um, is it as big time as Toronto? It doesn't always feel that way. Um, I come in a, a, in, a, in a larger role, for sure. Um, but listen, Toronto is the hub of where everything happens, including Blue Jays and the Leafs and, and the Raptors. And, uh, but there's pros and cons, everything. But anyway, four to seven out here, so I'm hosting um, basically the show that Bob McCown hosts in Toronto, um, except with the time difference, um, it's, uh, it's three hours later. So seven to ten, um, you can find me on the Sportsnet app, of course. Um, I'm always willing to engage with Toronto people on, on Twitter. It's 2017, so I uh, am very much watching everything that, that happens in, in Toronto, including those Blue Jays. Um, so, yeah, sportsnet.ca or the Radio Canada Player app if you ever want to listen to the show, or, of course, there's the podcast up uh, online after the fact.
0: Be sure to check them out on Twitter as well, at Andrew Walker 650 Andrew, what a great pleasure having you on the Jays Journal podcast looking forward to seeing what this offseason brings and having you on the show again very soon my friend.
2: No problem, anytime and and uh, I think the 2018 preamble to the to the Jays season is going to be very exciting because um, I, I don't think this year was necessarily indicative of where they are as a franchise, but I expect really interesting things
0: in 2018. You heard it first, Andrew Walker host of the program on Sportsnet 650, be sure to check him out Andrew, have a fantastic day. You too. Thank you.